The following program is a podcast one.com production. Let's play. This should be interesting. I thought I was leaving the country tomorrow on a red eye. These red eye flights are so effing confusing on your calendar because they are the next day, but it's still connected to the night before. You follow? So I thought I was flying out tomorrow at 12.35 a.m. Wednesday. So see, Tuesday. So I thought I had all day Tuesday. And I was going to record my show. And then my assistant, picking up something that I wrote in a text to her about tomorrow doing something, writes to me and goes, you do know. That your flight is tonight, 12.35 a.m. Tuesday. And I'm like, what? I One day difference, but I, in my mind, I had the whole thing all planned out as to what I was going to do and what I'd get done and things. You know, you just sort of have a clock going. And one of the things I was going to do was record my weekly podcast. I didn't know what the podcast was going to be about. I was struggling with what to talk about. I've yet been been able to get back into the studio at Podcast One uh, to do an interview, to conduct an interview. But this said, and then is all these other things going on, like I need portable equipment to bring with me. I'm going away for two weeks and I'm going to be out of the country. And I left my portable studio, as you know, the cone of silence in Las Vegas because I'm already traveling. So I had ordered a backup, a redundant system to be delivered to where I am now visiting my kids and grandkids in L.A. today. But as things turned out with the holiday it's not going to arrive till tomorrow, which I had already built in and planned, except I'm not going to be here. So I'm flying out tonight without any recording equipment, having weekly radio shows, my House of Hair syndicated radio show to do later this week. So I'm basically running around like a chicken without a head. And I actually sent a email to my show producer, Kevin, and said, uh, no show this week, last-minute travel plans. But then I looked at the clock and said, wait a minute, maybe I can eke out a show before I go out, leave. So I'm kind of frantically in here recording, but I still don't know what the show is going to be about. Now, the last time this happened, it was the no-show show where I – Turned on the mic to apologize for there being no show and then delivered a show. Now, I'm not trying to say this is an apology, no show show. But I don't know exactly what I'm going to talk about. But I do have some idea of things that I do want to talk about. First and foremost. Twisted sister. I rarely talk about. Twisted Sister. I think I rarely talk about Twisted Sister. But right now, there's a a bunch of things going on with my band. As we 
are now in 2016, the 40 and effort era, if you will, our last year of performing as Twisted Sister. Now, I want to be clear on this, and this is not backing off my position of there being it being the end of the band in any way. I just want to say that if the opportunity came up to do a song or two with my band for a charitable cause, or say a television show, or something like that, I would absolutely reunite, reunite with the guys. What this 40 and effort shows are really about is the end of concerts, full-blown concert, Twisted Sister concert experience. 60, 75, 90, two-hour sets. That's really, and this isn't backpedaling in any way. I just think that if there's a charitable event, let's say like um, the reason we got together in the first place, the 9-11 concert, the New York Steel show, we should absolutely get up there and play a song or two. But gone will be the days of, like I said, dripping with sweat, crawling around on all fours, dropping on the stage, thrashing, banging, doing all that stuff. And that's what 40 and Effort is all about. Now, when... I've come off and I've been getting interviewed about a few things and I'm coming off very cynical and uh, I want to clarify that. People ask me about the shows and why there aren't more 40 and effort shows and why there isn't a 40 and effort tour. And I've tried to explain, but no matter how I explain, I just come off like, an a-hole, honestly, that these shows are money shows, doing it for the money, that Twisted Sister has been reunited now longer than we were together the first time around. This is our 12th or 13th year reunited. We were only together, not only, but we were together 11 years the first time, broke up for 15 We reunited for some reunion shows, and it's gone on for 12 years. I have always spoke out very loudly about these bands that do reunion shows on and on and on. You know, they suck everybody in with the farewell shows, and then they never leave. Or the bands that announce the farewell shows do years of touring, for the farewell shows, and then announce we change our mind. That's that's BS. Oh, by the way, I'm trying not to curse, I'm a, and I, I'll do very well with that, because podcasts are taking over the world, and it's great. It's a new frontier, but it's not so new anymore, and they're very popular. But advertisers are starting to look at them and get behind them on a mass scale. And I was informed that some of the bigger advertisers who want to advertise on podcasts won't if they have profanity. Now, some of you are screaming, but that's the beauty of the podcast. That's the beauty of the Internet. That's yada, 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 yada. I don't see it that way. I can understand why certain advertisers don't want to have to advertise a show that's got profanity on it because it doesn't work with their image. And to me, profanity is not something that I can't live without. I am notorious for cursing. I've been arrested for profanity. When you see Twisted Sister Live, I am... What's the word? Loquacious? When it comes to the use of the F word. I love the F word. It's empowering. But it is not, it does not define me. And it is not all I am. And I've always been able to work clean, if necessary. When on television, 
I've been uh, at in, in concert events where it's been family, you know, a fair, not a fair, like a state fair kind of deal. Um, I've been in a number of situations where we weren't allowed to curse. Where there would be literally, uh, I'm trying to think of what festival it was that had the literal fines. And Faster Pussycat got taken to the cleaners on that one. But we would be fined. It was a family event. A lot of money, thousands and thousands of dollars, if we cursed. And I did not. I can do an effective show without profanity. A little funny side story. We were doing a show in England. And it was an outdoor festival. And Twisted Sister and I are notorious for our use of profanity. Like I said, I've been arrested for profanity. And the club, the club owner, the promoter, was very worried because the festival grounds bordered on a children's hospital. And if the bands cursed, he would be getting fined. And Twisted Sister was notorious for the use of profanity, and that means me, since I'm the main talker on the stage. <clears throat> so he came in and said, listen, D, you can't curse. We are bordering on a children's hospital. They can hear the music. They will hear the profanity. And if you curse, I will be severely fined. And I looked at the promoter and I said, no problem. And he looked at me and said, seriously? I said, seriously, no problem. And it isn't a problem. And he left. Well, a little while later, he came back in. He says, listen, I don't know if you realize what I said to you. I wasn't kidding around. He goes, but we really will. There will be a major problem if you curse. And I can't have you curse. So please do not curse. And I said, dude, not a problem. I won't. And he left. Well, about an hour after that. He comes in, and now he's a little sweating a little bit. He goes, all right, I, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not kidding around here. This isn't a joke. And he's panicking. He says, just, you know, it, it, I can't have you cursing because it, it's going to be a problem. The festivals will get canceled in the future. I want to have an ongoing thing here. He's, 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 he's imploring me to not curse. I said, Okay. I won't curse. And I meant it. On my way to the stage, I see the promoter standing side stage as the band walks by, and he is just a wreck. And he just comes over to me, and with his hands, like he's like, Oliver, begging, please, sir, can I have some more? He, he with palms outstretched, he goes, just don't say, and he says the C word. He was, because I was so quick to say, not a problem, and he expected to get a fight from me, he assumed that I was lying. That I was just going, yeah, no problem. And then I was going to go up there and curse a blue streak. Guy is having, this guy was having a nervous breakdown. And by the time I hit the stage, without me doing anything, he had whittled down the list of words I could say anything I wanted to, just don't say the C word. Well, I'm a dad, and uh, even back then, I've been a dad for a long time, and I'm not going to start cursing a blue streak to kids in a children's hospital. And I did a show. I do a clean show. The point is, I could do an effective show saying effing and C word and excrement instead of the other words. As a matter of fact... I should tell you the story about the time I was arrested in Amarillo, Texas for cursing. I'll do that when I return. All right, let me sing the praises of True Car. Now, don't fast forward or skip over this part of it because I have a little bit of a funny story to share with you regarding this. Technology is amazing. Hey, there's a there's like knowledge is good. <laughs> the latest technology is amazing, but it is. What it enables us to do, the time that it saves us, the access that it gives us, is just flat-out incredible. Now, when I was doing Celebrity Apprentice, 
one of the many times I did Celebrity Apprentice. As you can imagine, a lot of time is spent waiting. Hurry up and wait. That's the, you know, that's the mantra of all creativity. And many hours were spent in vans, traveling from point A to point B, from this setup to that setup. So you've got a van filled with, quote-unquote, celebrities, you know. Uh, and a lot of, of uh, A-type personalities, a lot of alpha males and alpha, alpha females, they're all leaders. So arguments, well, I don't say arguments, it was never hostile, but discussions would always ensue about one subject or another. And people debating and arguing the correct answer for something. And eventually, and it's happened time and time again, Penn Jillette, the smartest guy in the room, by the way, freaking brilliant, uh, from the back of the van where he and I always sat, the two biggest dudes there always climbed to the back of the van. Don't ask me why. I guess we felt comfortable. That's where the bad kids hang out. And uh, Penn Jillette, with bored look on his face, would interject and go, if only there was a handheld device that could give us the answer. And he would hold up his iPhone. The point being, arguments, the day of the arguments are long gone. You know, there's no need to, uh, to question what's the correct answer and fight over who has the right answer. We can quickly whip out our phones, put, excuse me while I whip this out, and get the information we need. It's right there at our hand. Now, same goes for the knowledge you need to get the best price on a car. There is information out there. It's readily available. People are still, just like we were in that van, arguing amongst each other, each of us with a cell phone, with internet connections in our hand, yet people forget that it could just, they could readily get the answer in two seconds and put an end to the discussion. People out there are still thinking they've got to do it the old-fashioned way. You're still thinking you've got to go into a dealership and haggle with a professional salesman and not a professional salesman. And by the way, I've come from a family of salesmen. These salesmen aren't passionate, loyal people to their product. Before selling this product, they were selling something else completely unrelated. They're selling your cars now. They were selling toilet bowls a year ago. They're salesmen. That's what they do. They go from one sales job to another while we the innocent lambs being led to slaughter. We occasionally buy a new car once every several years, and we try desperately to get the right price, to get a fair price, to go against these professionals in a slugfest. They beat us senseless. And 99 times out of 100, we walk out dazed and confused, knowing that we got taken. Well, guess what? There's an app. There's a website. It's called True Car. With the True Car app and the True and TrueCar.com, you can go to these places, go to use these resources, and start saving immediately. You can go online, find the fair price on a new car. And with True Car, you can see what others in your area have paid for the same car you're looking for, which helps you determine a fair price. Then you get a guaranteed saving certificate from a True Car certified dealer. What is that? This, you print it out, and it says, this is what your savings will be. This is the price you will pay. Then when you go to a True Car certified dealer, your savings certificate is honored. You're not haggling. You're not going in defenseless. You're not a seal on the ice being clubbed. <laughs> you are. You're going in with knowledge and with power. And True Car savers, True Car users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. That's average, which means you could save more. You could save less too. But you could save more. No hassles or headaches. It's how car buying was always meant to be. You know, over 2 million cars have now been sold by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. And there are, are over 10,000 dealers in the True Car Certified Dealer Network. So you're bound to find one near you. You will work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer contact. He will honor your True Car Certified Certificate. Visit TrueCar.com or download the True Car app start, and start saving. True Car, never overpay. So 1984, Twisted Sister is on fire. Stay Hungry is selling just hundreds of thousands of copies. Goes to platinum, heading to double platinum. We are kings of the world. 
and we're out on the road, and we're touring everywhere. We finally have been accepted the world over, and the bad boys from New York are now welcome in every city. Well, we're down in Texas, in the South. That was the 80s. And the South is the South. It's got its own thing going on. And our band has gone from being a biker bar band to a Coliseum attraction in a relatively short amount of time. And we've brought our badass attitude with us. Well, we're not realizing that as our popularity grows, our audience is widening. And not just within our usual audience of mid-teens, late-teens, college, which is what we were used to playing to in the clubs. The drinking age back then was 18, you know, People were sneaking into clubs around 16. So you were rocking you know, between 16 and 20-year-olds on average. And that was our crowd. And we cursed and we fought and we, you know, it was, it was a, a, a young adult experience, to say the least. But now, Twisted Sister has hit records and hit videos. And from that stage... You can't really see the arena. The people down in front are still the rabid core fans. They're the ones who snap up the tickets first. They're the ones who are still hungry to see the band. Still hungry, get it? But now, in the outer reaches of the arenas, there are younger people. And they are coming to the shows with their parents. This is not connecting with Twisted Sister. We are not realizing that we are skewing younger at this point. So I'm in Amarillo, Texas. Very southern, particularly back in the 80s. I mean, you're talking about, what, 30 years ago now? And some guy in the crowd starts in with me. Now, this is a regular occurrence for Twisted Sister. I've been dealing with this since the very beginning, and I'm not one to let things go slide. Back in the bar days, I'd be off the stage every night. You know, you're up there and you're wearing bizarre costumes or women's clothing and makeup. There's bound to be somebody who's drunk a-hole who wants to start with you. And I'm not one to let it go by. You've heard, probably heard some of the stories and Reading Festival, me calling out the entire audience and 35,000 people for a fight. Um, you know, I, 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 don't, you know, I don't know if I regaled. I think with War Stories, I regaled you with the tale of the last time that I got into a physical altercation with someone in the crowd at an arena show opening up for Dio, climbing off the stage over the barricade over eight rows of chairs and diving on top of some guy who threw a bottle at me. So... I'm definitely still in that mindset of us against them and twisted against the world and ready to take on any comers. Now, not every now by this point, I've got a bodyguard, and I've told you, if I, I believe, I believe I told this war story that you know after I went off the stage, I was contacted by my manager, my accountant my lawyers, everybody, agents, in one phone call the next day telling me I'm out of my mind and that I'm now a rich rock star and I can't go out in the audience and beat people up. So when I asked what I'm supposed to do when someone throws a bottle at me or starts in with me, they said they'll get me a bodyguard. And, you know, and, and, and I said, so what, is that you're hiring? So basically you're getting a bodyguard to protect them from me. That's essentially what you're doing. So that I won't go and beat somebody up, you're getting somebody to stop that from happening. Great. So at this point, we're in Amarillo. I've got a bodyguard. But that doesn't stop me, and I'm not going off the stage anymore, but it doesn't stop me from, from getting it, mixing it up with people verbally 
from the stage. And somebody was starting in with me in the crowd. You know, I don't know if they would give me, probably give me the finger. Is you know, the only thing over the, over the din of the music that you could possibly do. To which I start verbally attacking this guy. And I am going off on him. And, you know, he's probably giving me more fingers back, you know. And, you know, it's going back and whatever it's going on. But I am just cursing a blue streak. And my last words to him, well, I don't know if it was my last words to him, but these were the words that incensed, incensed, yes, uh, a mom who was there with her elementary school son, unbeknownst to me. I told the guy, and this is a very New York, what's the word, exchange, it's not an exchange, it's a, a statement. I told him, suck my mother effing dick. Now, on the surface, this is a very homosexual or homoerotic statement. Asking a, another man to fillet you. For clarity, in New York, this is the most insulting thing you could pretty much say to a dude because it implies a, a gazillion things and the least of which is that this person this male presumably not gay should perform oral sex on you because that's his position if you saw the hateful eight you'll remember that there is a moment where somebody makes an adversary do that to them as the ultimate degrading thing they could think of. Now, this is a wonderful, pleasurable thing between consenting adults, but as a, an insult, it is the ultimate and this is what I laid out to this dude. Well, those words had that mom jump out of her seat. This is, by the way, after a long tirade of profanity. And storm out of the arena, go to the nearest police officer, and say she wanted to press charges against me for abusive language. When I came off the stage in Amarillo, Amarillo Texas that night... I walked into a phalanx of police there to arrest me. Wisely and reasonably, they allowed me to take off my costume and makeup first. And they all piled, there's about a half dozen cops, piled into the dressing room with me to watch me removing my stuff. I don't know what they thought I was going to do, but to keep an eye on me in case I tried to pull a fast one. And while I was in there, they were making comments, questioning my manhood and, you know, just general insults and digs. Now, my dad was a state trooper for 17 years, and then he went on to being a peace officer working in the courts, the guy who sits up there with, well, first in the courtroom bringing in the witnesses and bringing in the the prisoners, and then he moved to court senior court clerk. The guy who wears a suit still carries a gun, sits next to the judge, and you know he announces the cases and does all that stuff. But he was so I I knew pretty familiar with police antics, and I told the guys I, I the cops who were harassing me. I said, guys, my dad's OTJ, which. The minute you say that, they know you know. On the job, that means. I know, I said, my dad's OTJ, I know what you're doing. And literally, the sergeant goes, all right, cut it out. The minute I said I'm OTJ, there's a certain, even a New York cop's son versus a Texas police officer, there's still a degree of respect for any man in blue, as they say, or gray, depending on their uniforms. And so they stop harassing me. I get taken, I get taken in, uh, booked, fined 
for the, the charge was uh, abusive language and uh, and uh, disorderly conduct or I don't know what is inciting a riot I don't know you know it was, uh, I, whatever it was I didn't think it was that big a deal this was just you know another day at the office for Twisted Sister well the next day we pull into the next town that we're in the south and when we get there and this plays to my ability to control my use of profanity. We get there, and police are everywhere. The town's fathers and mothers are everywhere. They have. They are waiting for me to curse. They've got complaints already filled out, and they're ready to take me in. What I find out what is exacerbated the situation. There's a word for you, kid. Exacerbate. Look that one up. It has nothing to do with jerking off. Is that my, what's exacerbated the situation is that my turn of phrase, suck my mother effing dick, has now translated in the several hundred miles we've traveled from one town to the other as me, and this is in the news, Inviting young females in the audience on stage to perform oral sex on me. To which I'm screaming, no, I was inviting that dude, which didn't sound any better. Um, But so now I'm a, you know, I'm a pedophile. I'm a 29 year old man inviting underage girls, according to the news. And hey. Can you imagine how riled up the community is now? And this isn't Amarillo anymore. Now we're on to some other city. Can you imagine how fired up they are thinking that their daughters are in danger because these animals and Twisted Sister are trying to have their way with their underage children? So the police are out in force. The parents, the religious groups, the church groups, everybody's there. They're ready to take me in take the band down and I come out on stage and I can see them they're surrounding the stage the arena is full we do our opening song and we finish and I go to the audience listen you see these police here they're waiting to arrest me they're waiting for me to curse because they're going to bring me in they're going to arrest me and cut this concert short. But you know what? I'm not going to curse. I will not curse. I'm not going to compromise this show and your experience for a couple of F words. And the place is roaring. I said, so this is what I'm going to do. And I had gotten this idea from Gore Vidal. Gore Vidal not Vidal Sassoon, Gore Vidal, he's an author. He had written a book, uh, famously one is called Myra Breckenridge, that one was made into a movie. I don't know which book it was, but he had written a book where, as a protest to censorship, instead of using curses in the book, he used the names of the Supreme Court justices to replace the curse words. So I said, what is the mayor's name? And I, let's say it was Miller, because I don't remember what it was. And the crowd's chanting, Miller, Miller, Miller. I said, all right. So instead of saying, F you, I'm going to say, Miller you. And instead of saying, sick mother effer, I'm going to say, sick mother Miller. But you know, when I say Miller... I mean, and I stick the, the microphone out to the crowd, and the crowd says, F. What was that? F. When I say Miller, I mean F. When I say Miller, I mean F. And the local townspeople with their pitchforks and torches. Now, that's how I remember it. It was a lot like I was Frankenstein. But no, they were beside themselves because I wasn't cursing. The audience was. What are they going to do? Arrest the audience? For the entire show, I did not once slip. 
and I used the mayor's name as the F word, much to my audience's delight. I remember one time during the show, I pretended I was going to slip, and I said, all right, you mother, and the cops, everybody's looking, Millers, and the place roars. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I've got my brain cells intact. I didn't play football, so I got no dead spots in my brain. Um, And I am sharp. The point being, I can do a show without cursing. And I will endeavor. Not I will endeavor. I am going to remove the profanity from Snyder comments because I want the advertisers. Because as I told you, was it last week or the week before, I need sponsors. I need a bigger audience. I need to reach the masses with my show. And if this will help, that's a simple thing I can do. You know, you guys, you know, when I say you sick mother effers, you know what I'm talking about. When I say, what the hell is that excrement? You know what I'm talking about. You guys say, a-hole, you know what I'm talking about. You're smart, too. I'm smart. I'm smart. So where was I? Oh, by the way, do me a favor, would you? You're listening to the show. Are you subscribing to my show? Are you liking and rating my show positively? The advertisers are looking for that, too. They're looking for how many subscribers you have. How many, uh, how the ratings are on your show. So please, if you're listening, subscribe. It's no big deal. You can always unsubscribe. You can always throw the shows out. Just throw me a freaking bone here. Meanwhile, back on the Twisted Sister front, and these, the, the, the 40 and effort shows. So, it sounds cynical to say that we're doing it for the money, that I'm doing it for the money. But unlike these other bands that are doing lengthy farewell tours, I am not. We are not. Unlike these other bands who have no intention of actually retiring, verdict's out on Motley Crue. Uh, I believe, I mean, they really went to great lengths to make a point that they really are retiring. And I tend to believe them because they went to such great lengths. Meanwhile, I mean, you know, it didn't stop the Scorpions from changing their mind or, or Judas Priest or Ozzy. No more tours. How many of you guys have a no more tours shirt? How about that? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but... The point of this is when I said, "All right, the guys, I wanted to call it. A, I wanted to call it a day last year. I wanted to call it a day before that." That's not to say I won't be doing future creative endeavors, and we've spoken about those. But as far as being a thrashing headbanger, throwing my body around, dropping on the floor, crawling on all fours, lunatic, I've been trying to say, "Hey, we've had some fun. Let's go on and." You know, individually, let's do separate things. But the thing has gone on and on and on. And when AJ passed, I was like, look, this is a logical end. AJ Pirro has died. They're like, well, what about, you know, his family? He had no will and he had no, you know, pension. There's no pension in heavy metal. We should do some shows to make some money for his family to help them out. So I was like, okay, to me, that's, you know, makes total sense. Uh, AJ, one of the things I was upset about with AJ is that he didn't take care of himself physically. He didn't prepare. He had uh, had a lot of responsibilities with multiple ex-wives, girlfriends, multiple children from, from these relationships, and had not prepared anything, had not taken care of or done anything. 
to, to provide for these kids. And when he died, it was complete turmoil. Because there was no will, any money he made or he had coming in from royalties or anything like that was seized until the estate was settled. So we had, like, young teenage children, uh, a child whose complete income source dried up when he was gone, and there was no money for the food, no money to pay the bills, nothing like that. So he left a mess behind. And we had an opportunity to do some things, some benefits, to perform, give his share of the of the of the live, you know, the money for the live shows to his children, to his exes, and help them out. So we did. And I said, All right, and this is it. This is the end. Logical finish. You know, other people have lost band members, and they're dropping like flies now, by the way. But we had always performed with all five, I call them the original guys, the core guys of the band. There's a documentary out, We Are Twisted Effing Sister, which shows a band that existed before the band you know with the exception of J.J. French, who was in that band. But that's another point, and maybe I'll, I'll get to that in a minute when I talk about these other, That's because that's one of the other twisted items on my agenda here. I said, all right, let's do these shows. Again, handful of shows. I don't know what it was. We did an event in uh, Vegas. The show was filmed for a DVD release in memory. You know, it was basically in honor and memory of A.J. Pirro. Uh, we, you know, we did the shows and then the guy said, Hey, D, we're totally in agreement. This is, you know, it's a logical end. But speaking of logical next year, that was 20, that was 2015. When they said this, this is 2016 is twisted's 40th anniversary, the 40th anniversary of when I joined the band. D. Snyder. When I joined, so what happened was the band existed for 73. J.J., who is touted as being a founding member, actually joined an existing band called Star. They changed their name to Twisted Sister. They played the bar scene in the tri- New York tri-state area, Jersey, Connecticut. Um, they played until 75. Broke up then Jay reformed the band in October of 75 with Eddie Ojeda and one other member of the band from back in the, the from the 70, early 70s. They start, restarted the band, and then I that was in October, Halloween of 1975. I was approached in, in January or February. I joined the band in February, Valentine's Day weekend. So, in 76. So, Jay goes, this, JJ, goes, this is the core, when the core of the band, you, me, and Eddie, got together. 40 years. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I appreciate that you recognize that that was when the band, in essence, started. But you sure talk a lot about that other band from 1973. Often referencing them as the original members of the band, which I respond and say, how about this? You go out with the original Twisted Sister, those guys from you played with in the bars in 73, 74, and me, Eddie Ojeda, Mark Daniel Mendoza, and then A.J. Pirro will go out and we'll play as the replacements. And let's see who draws more people. J.J. wasn't big on doing that. Anyway, he said, let's put a real end on this. You know, A.J.'s gone. The band's calling it quits. But what about 40 and effort farewell shows? I said, look. 
I love Twisted Sister. I love our legacy. I love you guys. We've played thousands of shows together. And I've had a great time. But I've been trying to move on. I do other things. I do radio. I do television. I do movies. I, I do voiceover. I act. I've been moving in other directions. And I'm trying to move on. But I keep getting called back. I understand you need me to do Twisted Sister shows. I'm that guy. I get that. But I've been telling you for many years now that I really want to move on. So I said, so, and we decided that this 2015 was the final show's farewell to A.J. Pirro. So now you're asking for one more year of, of, of farewell shows. So I said, okay, but let's make them paydays for all of us, including A.J., Let's just do select shows. We don't play much at all. So let's just do big number, big money, headline situations. And that's, you know, and, and, and say farewell, and people get to put a little money away, right, and, and move forward. That's reasonable. I think that's reasonable. I said, absolutely. We won't take any shows unless they're big money. I said, great. So... We finished 2015, and it's not long before my agent calls and said, listen, D, we're not getting any offers for big money. I mean, we get, we get good money. We get great money, way more than most of our peers because we play so rarely. That's part, one of the, part of the reason. But you know, we're asking for double our normal amount. And I said, we're not getting any takers. I said, really? I'm... Uh, why? He says, well, but one, they don't believe that it's the end. With all these bands that are out there who announce their retirement and then they don't retire, they feel they're getting burned. I said, well, that kind of sucks, and it does, that nobody believes a band when they say that they're quitting. I mean, that's why Motley Crue went through all that trouble with the you know signing the contracts. Swearing that they're quitting. Legally binding documents. They are over. That's what they said. So I said, well, that's a shame because I told you last year was my last year. And I told you I'm done. And I said that I would consider playing if we had some big offers. And I didn't think there would be a lot of takers. So if it's one, two, three, ten, eight or ten shows, I said, you know, eight or ten tops, great. If not, I'm fine just moving forward with all the projects that I'm working on. I'm cool with that. And if you don't know, if you're new listening, you don't know why I want to call it quits. It's as simple as this. Gravity wins. Gravity wins. You can't beat gravity. By that I mean every single one of us, no matter how fit we are, no matter how well we take care of ourselves, one day we will all be pulled back into the dirt. Gravity takes us all down. And I don't want to be on stage in front of an audience when I get taken out. And the way I perform and the way I conduct myself on stage the body's not getting younger. It's getting older. And I drop on the floor and I crawl around on all fours and I lay on the floor and I bang my head righteously. And I swear, I think my neck, neck is going to snap one day. Because the bones aren't getting stronger. You look, people look at me, if you've seen pictures, I'm in great shape. I am. But gravity wins. Nobody has ever beat gravity. 
And when I perform, nothing is held back. And when I look out at the audience and I see those smiling faces of fans, young and old, joyous in the energy and the entertainment that they're getting from Twisted Sister, that is the last memory I want. I do not ever want a Mike Tyson moment. You know Mike Tyson moment when Buster Douglas took him out and he was crawling around on all fours spitting out his mouth guard? I don't want a Babe Ruth moment where he's walking around the bases because he can no longer run. Babe Ruth is a very famous old baseball player. I don't want to overstay my welcome and be, and believe me, some people are screaming, you already have. I understand. But I don't want to disappoint. I'll continue this in a minute. All right, I've got a question for you. Are you using the brand-new 2016 version of the Podcast One app to listen to this show? I know I'm not. Well, if the answer is no, it's time for you and me to get to the App Store, Google Play, or the Podcast One website now and download it. Why? Well, because it's way easier to use than the previous versions and got a whole bunch of new features that you've been asking for. Well, that's cool. Oh, and after you download it, and by you I mean me, make sure you give it the good reviews it deserves. The brand new 2016 Podcast One app. Download it now from the App Store, Google Play, or at podcastone.com. You'll be glad you did. Also, check out the new show, Chilling Tales, on the app. It's a scripted mystery with a new story each week. It was top ten in iTunes last week, and you're going to love it. All right, it's time once again to take a minute to thank all my great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting my podcast. I certainly can't do this show without either of you, as I've spoken about at length in previous podcasts. And I want to remind you that you can shop with Amazon and support my podcast that way. Go to Podcast One and click on Killer Deals in the menu bar. Then select My Show, Snyder Comments, and you'll be directed to my Amazon banners that include my unique URL, as well as the sponsors who bring you my podcast every week. Support my sponsors. Click and shop. And for all my listeners in Canada and the UK, and I know you're out there, I've got links for you too. So check it out and buy the products you already plan on purchasing. This is no no skin off your nose, whatever they say, off your back, no hair off your head. This is just money you're going to spend anyway. They'll actually help support my show if you go through my URL. So just use my Amazon page first, please. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course supporting my show. And now back to my show. I don't want to disappoint, so now at the ripe old age of 60, going on 61, by the way, I'm still fit. I'm still rocking, I thought. I think. Every year we t- we break and I come back for the first shows, I'm like, have this paranoia that I'm going to go out there and not be able to do it. But so far, my body hasn't abandoned me. Let me just say that if it wasn't for the help with some selective surgeries on my throat, on my shoulder, on my knee, I'd be long done. I'd be long done. But now they have surgeries that can fix things. So they keep us going longer. So I am fixed up and I'm out there. I don't, I want to end on a high note, not a low note. So I'm hopeful that this year will, shows will be a high note. I'm confident they'll be a high note. Uh, But at the same time, I'm not going to stay up there on stage long enough for gravity to beat me. So meanwhile, back at the offers. So he goes, well, we're getting no offers. I said, well, that's a shame, but uh, I told you I'm done. 2015, I was done. Then, uh, well, we're starting to get some offers. Oh, shocker. Surprise, surprise. Called their bluff. And one, two, three, five, six shows pop up. None in the United States, by the way. None in North America, uh, which much to our chagrin much to my disappointment, that in the States we don't have the same value that we have outside in Europe. And so now we have six shows. Well, I look at it, you know, no more, we got no more. I'm like, oh, okay, that's it. We're, we're maxed out. And then they start, start getting me, well, we could take, we've got some offers for, we could, you know, for less and blah, blah, blah. I said, nope, not doing it, not doing it. So I look at my calendar yesterday or day before, and I notice a whole bunch more dates on there. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, they're not announced yet. 
But I'm like, what is the deal with is now 13 shows? And I see three more, four more on the calendar, approaching 17. I said eight to 10 shows. Now I see 13 with possibly 17. I'm like, I want to know what's going on here. I go, oh, well, we have been getting some more offers. Oh, really? What happened to nobody? Nobody's going to pay the money for Twisted to perform. Now the dates are, I said, this is starting to look a lot like a tour, which I told you I don't want to do. I'm done. So we have, and still, no U.S. or Canadian shows. No Central American no South American shows. And the dance card is filling up. I'm doing my musical. I'm doing my radio shows. I'm uh, in the process of trying to raise the money for Strange Land, which is supposed to be, they're talking about being filmed in 2016. I don't know when. But I have these other things that I am doing. But here's the deal. I find myself sounding hostile, angry, bitter, and and, and nasty when I talk about performing. And I was speaking with Suzette over dinner, and I said, the reason for this is that I've been trying to end the Twisted Sister era of my career, and again, with love. Love for the guys, love for our legacy, love for our memories, love for the past. But I've been trying to stop for many years. Many. When I read, I told you, I may have told you, I keep a holiday journal. And in the holiday journal each year, we write about, you know, what's going on. And in virtually, it was a 20 years worth of journals from 2002 to 2012. Virtually every year from... uh, from, was it 2001, 2002 is the first one? Yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was 92. I've got the, yeah, 92 to 2012, 20 years. From the time Twisted reunited, virtually every year it says, this, will be, this looks like it's going to be the last year for Dad with Twisted Sister. This is the last, Dad's officially given his, um, his, he's given his notice that this is the end. It's been five years. Uh, Dad's saying this is eight years now, so he's got, I sound like the boy who cried wolf. And I've tried to gently say, hey, guys, you know, it's been great, and we've, we've done reunion shows, and we've, we've headlined a lot of festivals. We've had great times. Um, it's time, you know, you know, let's call it a day. And every time I don't do it with any kind of firmness or strength or, you know, they don't take me seriously. And they go, well, you know, the next thing I know, I'm out there playing again. And, you know, and, and like I said, I'm one of those band members that is irreplaceable, that they can't get somebody to replace. Uh, they tried to ask Sebastian Bach, and he said, no effing way. I'm not going on in that guy's place. And it's flattering in a way, but it's frustrating in a way. I mean, Judas Priest got a replacement. Journey got a replacement. Deep Purple got replaced. I mean, so many bands have gotten replacements for key members, yet my band has not been able to or does not want to. I don't know what it is, but, and so I've kept on doing shows. Well, now, in order for me to stop, I have to actually get angry. I actually have to be sort of mean about it. And I hate the way I sound. I hate how I sound to you guys. I hate how I sound to myself. I love this band. That doesn't mean I have to do it forever. But if I'm not forceful, if I'm not insistent, if I'm not brutal, if I don't absolutely refuse to budge on the price or, 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 you know, or the fee, or whatever you want to call it. Well, there it is again. If I don't, if I'm absolutely not hard about it, I will get rolled over. And you say, D. Snyder rolled over? Yeah, I've got a soft spot. 
for my band, for my guys. I love them. I love this. I don't want it to end per se, but I'm smart enough to know that it's got to and that I've got to. But in order to make it happen, I have to be an a-hole. I have to be bitter and twisted. I have to be nasty about it. I have to almost act like I don't care, that I'm insensitive, that I don't have feelings about it, that, I, that I'm, I'm that money-hungry. I'm not. I'm doing fine. But it's the only way I can find to draw a line and say, this is it. And it's taken since 2002 to now. So what's the math? Oh, my God. No. Is that 14 years? We reunited in 2002 for the, for the uh, New York Steel show. And now it's 2016. So that's 14 years. And I haven't been trying to stop since day one. But after about five, I was like, all right, you know, enough with the reunion shows. It's been great. Let's move on. And it just keeps going and keeps going. And because I wasn't forceful, because I wasn't insistent, because I wasn't an a-hole about it, I keep, it. and again, it's, it's not a terrible thing. That's part of the reason why I haven't been so, like, firm. But I believe it's got to end. And I believe I need to move forward. I mean, I've been moving forward. I've got a lot of other projects on that. And and that's another reason why I can't tour. And I can't do stuff. When you go out on the road when you tour, it's like you think like life stops. But life goes on. All the projects that you had developed, they lose their energy. They lose their momentum. And people find other things to do while you're gone. People don't wait for you to get back from the road. They go on with their lives. And I have so many things that I do now, so many jobs that I have, and so many creative outlets and projects in development that I can't afford to go out on a full-blown tour. People say, why won't you tour? Farewell tour. A, interest isn't there. I mean, we one thing if we were touring like Motley Crue, but we're not. We're not as big as Motley Crue. Well, that one thing was like Kiss or Aerosmith or Iron Maiden. We were at that level, arenas all the time, making high six, seven figures. Yeah, you got real motivation. But we're not that band. Like I said, there are people out there who say we definitely overstayed our welcome. <laughs> uh, but just know, as harsh as I may sound in some interviews about this, I love my legacy. I love the band. I love doing what we did. And I want to walk away with dignity and pride and self-respect and look back fondly, not with regret, because I'm old and I broke a hip. You know, I want to leave with smiling, cheering faces, wanting more. Not sad faces looking at a guy who's not what he once was. And I'm holding it together for you people. But I don't know how much longer I can. All right. So um, I'm glad I got some kind of show out here. I'm not even sure what to call this one. But uh, next time I'll be uh, using the cone of silence from the Caribbean Islands. Taking a little vacay, much needed, R&R, but that doesn't mean radio shows stop. No, 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 the radio shows march on. So until we rock again, until we chat again, we'll be Snyder. Stay classy.
Stay tuned for the latest AP News headlines from Podcast One right after this. When shopping for car insurance, consider this. GEICO has been saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. So if you're serious about savings, it's simple. Go to GEICO.com. After 75 years, they know how to save you money. AP Update. I'm Sandy Kozell. Polls are opening across New Hampshire for the nation's first presidential primary. And that means it's time for Granite State undecided voters to make a choice, as we hear from the AP's Jerry Bodlander. Voters here in New Hampshire are known for waiting until the last minute before deciding who they're pulling the lever for or changing their minds about who they're supporting. Gloria Fields is choosing between Donald Trump and Jeb Bush. Trump because of his business ability. Bush because of what he has done in Florida. Field says she may not decide who she's supporting until she's in the voting booth. All this uncertainty makes polling more difficult, and on top of that, independent voters can vote in either the Republican or Democratic primary. Jerry Bodlander, Manchester, New Hampshire. Polls show Clinton trailing Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. She started her day at 7 a.m. at a Manchester polling location. AP Update, I'm Sandy Kozell.